0: Well, today we have another Q&A session. It's been a while since we've done one. We are, I think we're a week late in this session. We were supposed to originally do it last week, but here we are today getting ready for another Q&A session and stick around to the end and find out if you submitted a question if you get a free mug. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill.
1: Chris Winterman. Marie Burns. Doug
0: and reed Becky Clark. So join us as we go deeper with questions and answers. All right, so we looked around all over the place for some really smart people to answer your questions. But this is all we could come up with. (laughs) Uh, But we do have some good questions, and no, this time they do not all come from Marie's small group. Yeah, but most
2: of them do.
3: Oh, no.
0: Now she's just bragging again. I am. (laughs) (laughs) But we are going to start with one of the questions that comes from Marie's small group. And this one is more of a general question for us to kind of talk about. Doug, you're probably going to be. Key in this conversation, uh. because you know how we got the Bible. After all, you did mm. do a whole Bible study on it, didn't you? I did. So this one is, regarding the gospel accounts, why are they in the order they are in? Marie Small Group thinks that John should have been first, then Matthew, then Mark, and Luke. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs>
4: He already said you're going to have to answer the question. <laughs>
3: I, I do well, find it interesting not, having not thought about it and looked it up. I, I'm not sure Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the order in all Bibles. Okay, there may be in other orders. Um, orders. Um, it's arbitrary. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with anything.
0: Well, I guess one of the things that we've learned over our time and discussions on this podcast is that the Bible wasn't necessarily written in chronological order. So I guess it's no surprise that they're just
3: the way they are. If you're going to put them in chronological order, it would go Mark, Luke, Matt. Matthew, John. Okay. So
0: they were all written. I mean, because John was written by. The Apostle John,
1: well, Mat- disciple John. Ma- Matthew's gospel, a lot of scholarship says that it probably wasn't written by Matthew, mm-hmm. that it was written by a couple different people, but they attached Matthew's name to it to give it that apostolic authority. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that I've seen about Matthew's gospel says that it's, it's depth as a teaching gospel. You know, Mark is more practical, it's just kind of the nuts and bolts luke has got his position and john stands separately because john is so different from the other three right which is why i think they put it at the end because it it really is a a different viewpoint that he's hitting than the other three because matthew and luke they borrowed from mark's gospel a lot yep. because Mark's was the first one written so anyways matthew's gospel it, it, its depth is a teaching gospel for example having the sermon on the mount in it in its extensive form It became a favorite of the early churches because of that, and that's why when they canonized it and made the order, they put it first.
4: Matthew's gospel also starts with genealogy, which is essentially important. That was a a very important thing for the Jewish people. Genealogy was how you tracked everything. And so to talk about the genealogy of Jesus placing him in this this line that's in David's line— so there's something I think significant about putting Matthew first because the genealogy is the first thing in Matthew.
0: Hmm. That's an interesting thought, too. I hadn't thought of about thought about that. Yeah.
3: Matthew also uses a word the other three don't use. He uses the word for church, ecclesia. And it's been argued that Matthew is actually written by a church. Okay. So he's got the section in there about... What happens if a church member behaves badly? What do you do? And to have Jesus talking about church discipline is, it seems a little bit out of place mm-hmm. and out of character. So um, Matthew may not be attributed to a single individual. It may be a a group or... Um, actually a congregation that put it together.
0: So that kind of lines up with what Chris was saying, that that it was more of a collection. And in that regards, maybe this is a question for another time, another podcast. Uh, Is it maybe given the name Matthew because maybe he had a certain influence over this particular congregation
1: or he was involved with it maybe? That's possible, but also keep in mind timeframes – the pastoral epistles were written well before the gospels. Okay, possibly you know as early as the I mean the earliest epistle was probably what in the in the forties AD, mm-hmm. and then the earliest gospel, Mark's, was written in the sixties. So you're talking about a good bit of time there. Okay, and the the, the gospels came about uh, in written form really because the eyewitness accounts of Jesus were either dying off or just too old. Yeah. And the stories about his ministry and what happened, um, they began to get a little convoluted. So they said, okay, we need to, we need to narrow down what actually did and didn't happen and, and preserve that teaching. Right. And aren't we glad that they did? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so for the next question, and we are going to go into the book of Matthew here. We're going to look at Matthew 7, 6. And this question is... Talk about Matthew 7, 6, casting pearls before swine. Is this saying there are people we should give up on? That's, I gotta admit, that's one that I find to be very interesting as well. A, a Potentially troubling concept. I
1: don't, I don't think it's so much that we give up on people. I think there might be certain discussions we give up on. So uh, you see this today, you know, on social media Mm -hmm. and and even in person in regard to things like politics. Mm -hmm. People have their mind made up very significantly, and they're not listening to you to hear and exchange ideas. Mm -hmm. They're listening to show you how stupid you are, and they're just going to make a point. Right. And potentially... This is Jesus talking about the futility of those. Because elsewhere in 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 Proverbs, it says, "Look, there's there's certain cases. You know, don't don't catch a fool in their folly. Don't don't try to point it out because all that's going to do is just turn into a big thing. It, it's not going to accomplish anything." Right. And then I would I would have to look at, and I'm looking at it now the uh, the context. Mm -hmm. Because again, when you're in the Sermon on the Mount, especially, you can't take an isolated verse or a couple verses. you got to read them in the context. However, it does seem like a really clunky transition. Like if if this were a stick shift, you would have ground the gears going from, you know, get rid of the log in your own eye and then keep on asking and you'll receive with the pearls to swine in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a weird transition. Yeah. Hmm.
4: Well I would wonder if there's something missing that wasn't recorded. I don't I don't know that Jesus' sermons in this regard I don't know that we get every word. We just get like a highlight so what's missing potentially that gives us even more context of this of this statement
1: That's a good point, Becky, because even John in his gospel says this isn't everything yep. and, and there's no way to include everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a really plausible thing in my mind. Is is this maybe not, though, <clears throat> this
0: this phrase in line with when Jesus tells his disciples as they're going out, if the people don't receive what you're telling them, you know, shake the dust off your shoes and go on about your way.
2: We certainly have instances of Paul doing that that we yeah. read about.
0: I mean, because obviously Th- there are people that are going to receive the word and people that aren't i mean we have the parable of the sower mm-hmm. and he's you know some of it just falls on rocky soil and it basically like falling on deaf ears and maybe that's just a consistent st- uh, saying in line with all those other things mm-hmm. not that some people we should give up on but just know that some people just aren't going to receive
3: Well, look at it the other way, and maybe it's a call to appreciate your Christian witness and to be careful with it and understand the value of what you have been given in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's a really good way to look at it.
4: Well, the... Chapter seven starts with this idea of judging others, and then after the, the passage that we're talking about has to do with seeking the Lord, then there's the golden rule, all this stuff that, so there's this idea of how we interact with others and how we, how we use our witness and how we interact with God. So that, that may have some, uh, some real relevance, what you're saying, Doug, of like, so don't you know, take what you have very seriously. Covet it in a good way.
1: You know? Well, see, John, John in, in his epistle later on, he has a really weird writing that, that goes in line with this. In 1 John 5, if you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I am not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death.
2: Oh, that just opens up more questions. We don't
1: have time for that. Season <laughs>
4: three. Wait a minute, season John? Three. We've Wait got a minute John?
2: for Season
4: three. So you just footnote, say don't pray for them?
3: See, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Right. End of footnote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So do we think we've covered that question sufficiently? I don't know I don't if know. we covered it sufficiently, but. <laughs> but
2: well, I mean, it's,
3: time to move on. I, I
2: mean, the idea of more than looking at it in terms of. Do we just give up on some person being careful with your witness, I think is the a good takeaway from that, knowing where the question came from.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I can agree with that. Do we do we do we ever really give up on someone?
2: No, but I, I think we all know somebody at some point that we've struggled with and tried and tried and tried and just
1: Timing's not right. Yeah. Well, but... Perhaps. Does it shift? I mean, is there a shift in what you do? For for example, when you're dealing with someone in addiction, a lot of times the the help that you're offering is enabling and encouraging and and really creating more opportunity for that behavior. And there is a chance or or, uh, there is a time to step back and allow that person Mm -hmm. to experience the hardship of what their actions are bringing. And that is the only way they're going to realize what's going on. So this could be a similar type of thing is, you know, d- don't engage in certain ways because you're not only you're not doing good, you're actually creating, perpetrating harm. Maybe. I- I'm-, I'm just speculating.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> Doug's thinking. He's- I was just thinking in the South, we say don't teach, um, don't try to teach a pig to swim.
0: There are pigs that can swim in the Caribbean, though.
3: Well what can I say? They're not they're not in the south. Yeah, those are, That's where we come. They're a little are, further south. Those are Caribbean right. people they're um,
2: taking a turn. Sorry. That'd
0: bring a little levity to the conversation. Indeed. Rolled that one right off the rails, brothers and sisters. My apologies. All right. So we're gonna move along to the next question. In the time that Jesus was doing his ministry, were the priests still exclusively Levites?
4: That's a great question. Uh, they were supposed to be.
3: I think by the time of Jesus' ministry, they were primarily Levites, however. There was some political payoffs and some other things that arose that created... Uh, um, Politics mm-hmm. in the the line of um, priestly service. Um, I definitely think they had gotten to the point they were actually bidding for the holidays. Um, That's a weird. Well, concept. look, look, and read the Gospels. It mm-hmm. was, um, you know, Ananias and and. Um, Simeon, and we've got others that, that make reference, it was their time to serve. Well, how did they determine it, it was their time to serve? Casting lots, paying off the high priest. So the, the priesthood had, had made um, political connections with the Roman power base by this time. So it's not a pure thing.
4: Right, they had a lot more <clears throat> freedom to do and govern how they wanted. That was intentional so that mm-hmm. they can continue to keep their power. So unfortunately, the priesthood, had probably just mostly specifically in Jerusalem and the bigger cities that Rome, I mean, it just, they wanted power. Mm-hmm. They needed to hmm. hold their power. Yeah. So they would do what they needed to do.
1: So wait, you, you're telling me that the church at one point got overly political and too consumed with its own power. I've never heard of that (laughs) happening.
0: Except all throughout history,
3: beginning (laughs) in about, oh, Oh,
1: 34,
0: You're just trying
3: to get those comments, aren't
2: you? (laughs) The priesthood was separate from, like, Pharisees, right? Mm -hmm. These are two different
3: groups. You could have, let's see, you could have a a priest that was also a Pharisee. Yeah. Um,
2: I think sometimes it's easy when you're reading this that it all just kind of, they all start mm -hmm. to bleed together when you go from gospel account were to account. rabbis you
3: Levites? could have a rabbi that was a pharisee a pharisee was a, was
2: a teacher of it,
4: it yeah. was
3: a professional in today's parlance it would be someone who is an expert in canon law and they may have had a profession that was something other than being an expert in canon law um They were just.
2: So what was they Paul? were know
1: it alls.
3: Right.
2: What was Paul before he before the road to Damascus? Was he a Pharisee? He was a Pharisee. Okay. okay. Pharisee
3: That's,
1: of the Pharisees.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah.
0: And they were the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were just particular
1: groups. of belief. Yeah. 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 Their big dividing point was the resurrection. Like, I, I, everything else was almost identical with Pharisee and Sadducee. I gotcha. And there were more groups like that than just Pharisee and Sadducee. Those were just the two big ones. had
3: yeah. yeah, the Pharisees, okay. the Sadducees, the Zealots, the Saqqari. The Saqari,
4: Esmes, The, uh, yeah. the
3: Essenes. Essenes. I mean, yeah. there are all kinds of um, little groups running around Palestine in the time of Jesus. Okay. So
0: moving on. When Jesus is on the cross and he sends his mother to live with John, why did he do this? Wouldn't she have gone to live with the next eldest son? And I know that if there are some Catholics or Orthodox out there listening, this one's a pretty easy answer for them. Uh, But us in the Protestant world maybe have a different view on Mary and the fact that she possibly had other sons.
2: She had a lot sons? of other sons.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we're told about them when they go to get Jesus to bring him home. Mm-hmm. She was there with her. Does so Scripture children.
4: say that he? They ha- She has like four more sons and a few daughters or something like something that. Like There's that. somewhere in Scripture that it gives their names or whatever. So.
0: Look out! Doug's getting his electronic well, what, Bible out.
4: What's the Bible reference that I don't know that I've ever really noticed that?
2: So well, he says, "Behold your son." Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, he says to both of them. He says, you know, yeah. woman, behold your son." Son to John, right. behold your mother. In John, mm-hmm. Are that, we in John. Yeah, yeah.
4: Okay, I need the reference.
1: Yeah, I don't know
0: the reference on that one. That one didn't get attached. Well, but it's you know it's towards the end of the book.
2: It's John 19, 26, mm-hmm. 27. Yeah. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Why John and not James? We know James is one of the brothers.
3: The, uh, the reference about the, the siblings of Jesus is Mark 6. Uh, isn't this um, Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, according to Mark, Jesus came from a New family, large Jewish family. Okay, so I'm
4: I'm reading about the book of James, the the epistle James, because we're going to mm. be studying it this summer. I thought I read something that his brother, Jesus' brother James, doesn't really come to really believe until after, or that's the assumption, doesn't really come to believe until after Jesus' death and resurrection. Is that true, false? Did I read that wrong? Um,
3: I wouldn't put it. Church speculation.
0: I mean, he left Um, Nazareth after that time and was like,
3: they don't believe me. Well, you, you look at the, you look at the twelve. When did they really come to believe? Yeah. It's Pentecost and afterwards, right?
2: Right. Yeah. Are Are you headed in the direction of he wanted her in the home of a
4: true believer? Yeah, that,
2: I, mean, I guess that's what I'm. Yes, yes. If if his own
4: siblings, yeah, didn't believe who he was, why would you send your?
0: Would it maybe there? have been safer
4: know.
0: for for her to go with somebody not? Jesus's blood family.
4: Oh, it was never safe for. The, I mean, the disciples scattered because they were all afraid that they were going to be killed like Jesus was. Okay. So I, that wouldn't be fully logical. I mean, well, it would be logical, I guess, for Jesus, but not necessarily the, for the disciples. These words
1: are only recorded in John's gospel, right? And and John is ever focused on the spiritual. I mean, that's that's John's from the from the beginning. In the beginning, so. For me, I'm, I'm looking at a spiritual meaning more than a practical meaning here. So it's possible that Jesus is, in a way, foreshadowing the church, not so much, again, like you alluded to, that one of the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism or even the Orthodox, their belief is that in here, Jesus was instituting Mary as the mother of the church. But maybe to a lesser degree, Jesus was... Um, uh, showing the spiritual familial bond mm. okay that comes at uniting underneath underneath him that, that that there when you are standing at the foot of the cross looking at mm-hmm. Christ you are united mm. in in a way that before only blood United okay. That's, again, my speculation. Right,
4: so Jesus fulfills that at the cross, that the fulfillment of adoption into one family. So well, that would make sense. Hmm. Hmm. Well,
3: an the interesting, interesting thing concept. you've got is, who is the disciple that Jesus loved? Well, my assumption is that it's John. How do you know? So there is
2: speculation out there that it's Lazarus. Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh.
3: It's never The disciples never named, and mm-hmm. you know we're assuming the disciple whom Jesus loved is also the author of the Gospel of John. Right. Well, the one thing I can tell you from having read it, John, the epistles of John, and the revelation of John, written by three different people, mm-hmm. even though their name happens to be John, the Greek is just totally different in all three of them.
4: Now you're throwing all kinds of things uh, we, don't, don't. Have we don't have time for
2: all that how do we reconcile that then
3: i, I see your question <laughs> and i raise you a conundrum Uh-oh. season
2: three is just going to be wait what
3: <laughs> i like just, that
2: and just we can throw all kinds of topics into uh-huh. that <laughs> that's fantastic You said something earlier that i was like wait what we're going to come back to that post continue. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna move on to the next question, because we
0: do want to be... We do, because I'm
4: about to ask Doug all kinds of questions about John. All
0: right, in Luke 22:36, 36, I'll give you a minute. Luke 22, 36. Why does Jesus tell the disciples to buy swords?
4: <laughs>
2: You no, know, Peter took him
4: super serious. My smoker <laughs> asked this question too, so we're we did ask this question. So the, this is a twofer.
0: More than one group of people wants to know the answer to this one.
2: Twenty-two. What? Thirty-six.
4: Thank you.
0: He did. He just says, "Go out and buy swords."
1: Well, so he's he's talking the the context again. Um, Jesus predicts Peter's denial, and Peter says, "Nope, I'm ready to go to prison, even to death." Jesus says, Peter, let me tell you something. You're going to deny me for the rooster crows, etc. When I sent you out to preach the good news, um, you had this stuff. You didn't need anything. And then he says, but now take your money, buy a traveler's bag. You don't have a sword. Sell your cloak and buy one. The time has come. The prophecy fulfilled. Okay. So I, I'm saying here, I, my take on this is Jesus is not instructing them uh, to violence or even necessarily to get one so they can defend themselves when things happen. Cause he tells them later on when you're put before people, don't worry. The Holy spirit's going to give you the words. It doesn't seem like Jesus would encourage his followers to go and preach and then defend their life by taking someone else's life. That feels inconsistent with the rest of Jesus's message right. and instructions to them. So for me, this is one of his, Jesus' metaphors that he likes to use to show just how dangerous and how threatening this life is going to be for them mm-hmm. from now on.
2: That well, may be true, but the disciples definitely take it literally. See, Lord, here are two swords. <laughs> That's enough, he replied. I mean, Peter just needs one, after all, to lob that poor guy's answer. <laughs> right. And then just a few verses later, <laughs> he uses his sword yeah. and gets in trouble.
0: But I, I do have <laughs> something... I guess maybe to add to this said to sell his coat and buy one who he who has no sword sell his coat and buy one so what what's the significance there? Is Jesus saying something <clears throat> about their attire like what what is the coat? Is it just their outer garment that right. does all are all these things connected or is it just
3: okay, that's ra- something okay you have rational in, North Americans? Huh? You're not allowing space for paradox. Okay. You're also not allowing space for Jesus speaking as an apocalyptic Messiah. Okay. That some of the things that Jesus... Jesus also says, I'm going to pit families against each other. Mm -hmm. And that's not a warm and fuzzy thing for the church to think about. So Jesus... It's like the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is right now, but it's not yet. It's paradoxical. Jesus speaks to the right now, but he also speaks to the not yet. And sometimes these harsher sayings of Jesus, if you read around them, you discover he's talking about the not yet, Mm -hmm. and there's going to come a time when well, we've got the we've got a battle that Jesus leads, don't we, in the Book of the Revelation? There, we sure do. Uh, called Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talk about that in a few weeks, don't we? You know, I'm so confused where we are right now because <laughs> mm-hmm. you know the congregation's reading at one pace, and we're recording these at the other. We're not recording these in order. Stop it. So
2: I'm telling him our trick.
3: He's revealing our secrets. Okay. So um,
2: he's like one of those people who has to sit there with the magician until he figures it out and just ruins it for everybody.
0: Okay. Your Stop own advice, it. allow for the miracle,
3: allow for the, yes, allow for the miracles, but allow, allow Jesus to speak apocalyptically and allow for paradox within scripture it's not all rational. Mm-hmm. So
2: what you're saying is he's probably speaking apocalyptically and the disciples...
1: are hearing him literally. Are,
2: yeah, standard. It's what they always do. Yeah. Standard for them, missing
1: yeah, the point. Missing point. <laughs> yeah, missing the point. I had a guy I knew in, in a different church many, many years ago tell me that this verse was a big support for personal gun ownership because the... A sword in the first century was the equivalent of a three fifty seven on your hip today. Good gracious. I said, I don't think I'm going to stretch the scriptures that far. But,
4: well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or I went to Indiana Jones over here, don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Raiders of the Wall's Dark.
0: Okay, so
3: allow Jesus to speak apocalyptically. And allow for paradox. Yeah. Okay. And, and that bothers us. We we don't we don't want paradox. We want everything orderly, um, and and that's us going to scripture trying to control it rather than letting scripture come to us and mm-hmm. speak to us and yeah. transform us.
4: I guess I'm too much like a disciple then because <laughs> I I don't know that I would. I mean, how do you know then when it's paradoxical and when it's supposed to be literal and when you're supposed to, I mean, this is so hard.
1: But but they had the other one when Jesus says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the disciples are talking. They're like, he's saying this because we didn't bring enough bread. And he's like, (laughs) guys, you just saw me multiply the bread. Quit thinking. So I, I guess Becky, what I'm saying is when we find ourselves messing up or stumbling over the words of Jesus, don't get too down on yourself because his own disciples had the same problem. Mm-hmm. So when when we have trouble with the point, and I think a lot of this comes from a good place. Most people, I think, want to take the words of Jesus seriously and live mm-hmm. by them. But I think you're right, Doug. I think that's a great point. We come to the words of Jesus looking to see how we get them <laughs> rather than letting them sink in mm-hmm. and transform us. Yeah.
4: So I don't need to go take my jacket right now to a pawn shop and get get a sword. I've got a sword or in my office. Gun. You can, I have a you few swords. It. My son
1: has
4: karate, but <laughs> isn't <like, it> <laughs> this the spirit?
1: Oh yeah. So
4: I make sure we can that, go armor of God here. Uh-huh. Sucker. I, it is the Q&A. struggle. It's the struggle, though. I mean yeah. that that is the struggle of when you read. I mean, you're right, Doug. When you read scripture, we go in with a lens, but it's very hard in a lot of ways not to have that lens because we don't it's just it's just hard to know sometimes what is what what are we supposed to be understanding out of this. And you're right, I think I mean I know just personally I go to scripture. I want to he- hear from God. I want to, you know, learn and and so that I can be more of what he's created me to be. But sometimes it's hard and confusing.
3: Well, Marie just made reference over over there in that that section of the the podcast to the armor of God. Mm-hmm. Put on the whole armor of God. What does Paul say to do once you've put on the armor of God? Stand, Stand and wait. Stand. Mm-hmm. We're not commanded to do anything, right? So w- w- what we do is, is, again, we throw in some stuff out of our own heart and out of our own desire. We throw it into Scripture that's not there. It's just, it's just not there. And um, I just want Jesus to go ahead and be a first-century Jewish rabbi. Mm-hmm. And sometimes – and the answer to Becky's question is, how do you know? The answer is context. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we've got chapters and verses. Do any great novel you've ever read have chapters and verses? Mm-mm. No. And, and that's sort of messed up how we read scripture. We don't read the whole meta narrative, we just, <clears throat> sections, and we, we slice it thin so we can get it under the microscope.
1: But that's a, that's a, see, that's indicative of different cultures. Uh, m- many of your Orthodox churches who, who sit in the mystery of God are in the Eastern part of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And many of us in, in the Western part, Western culture is let's get the information, mm-hmm. let's figure it out, let's lay it out, let's organize it, and let's go from there. I mean, that's you know that's the, the heart of the Enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. And our church functions like that and it it is really hard for us to sit in the paradox of mystery.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they 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 we try to explain the sacraments for heaven's sake, and in the, a lot of the Orthodox, they just say it's a holy mystery. It's a mystery, and and, and that is a sufficient <laughs> enough answer for them. And I would be interested if 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 we find ourselves engaging in practices that let us sit in mystery and paradox. Would we begin to see God work in our life in new ways? I, I bet we would.
0: All right, now for a question that none of us know, not even Marie.
2: Didn't come from us, Marie. Okay,
0: that's a long question, so I'll give you time to look it up. Acts 8, 39, and 40. Mm, I
2: love that. Can we have
0: the Jeopardy music playing? <laughs> behind do, us? Do, do, do. I'm going to read the question.
2: Acts 8, 8,
1: 8. Wait a minute. 39, 40.
2: Okay, thank you.
0: Eight thirty nine forty. This is coming from should I should I name you Adrian? I just did. <laughs> <laughs> oh good, she's good. Mm-hmm. Since I am a very visual person, I am curious what it looks like when the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch did not see him any longer. After that when he then appeared in a different location. Was this Luke's way of saying Philip left on foot and went to a new town, being led by the Holy Spirit, or was he really swept away by the Holy Spirit, rapture style? She says, "I realize this has nothing to do with spiritual growth, but every time I read this passage, I have this question."
2: My small group talked about this too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Philip, like, where did I just, where did I go just now, kind of uh, thing, or what just happened?
0: <laughs> see, we are. I was reading the question, so I didn't have time to
3: get it. So what the asking is Philip teleporting? Yeah, right? yes. <laughs>
2: yep. yes.
0: I mean, God did that with people in the Old Testament, right? It was uh, Methuselah Elijah.
1: walked right. with the God. Old Testament Enoch prophets could be carried away. Enoch. Was not, yes. yeah. well,
2: and who got swept away in the chariot? Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. J or Shah yeah. Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
4: That's why I named my son that. Maybe he'll get swept away in a chariot one day. it <laughs> well, really cool. That's why they wait for him to come
1: back at Passover. That's right. He never
4: died. He never died. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Poor gotcha. Enoch. They just, yeah, they just forgot him. Yeah, He, he just was no more, but they're like, yeah, he's no more. <laughs> so this is a
0: very interesting, this is an interesting little
3: verse is there an answer? snippet here. So can't we go back to what Chris just said and say we have a mystery here? Mm-hmm that if you believe Philip was teleported, uh, you are correct. If you believe that the Ethiopian was so filled with the Holy Spirit that he didn't know Philip walking off, you would be correct. If you say, I don't really know what's going on right here in this passage of Scripture, you would also be correct? Mm -hmm.
2: No, that's too easy.
3: (laughs) Marie just told me I'm wrong. (laughs) No, I did not. No, I did not.
2: I do think this is one of those that we'll never have an answer to, and mm-hmm. you've got to be okay yeah, with not the... this side of eternity. Nope. No,
3: I, I think you're right. It's it's Enoch being transported. It's the whirlwind, whirlwind of um, fire. It's it's a lot of things in Scripture we just don't understand. However, let me give you something you have have perhaps you have experienced that you are so involved in a. In a book, a movie, um, television show, mm-hmm. that you are so focused mm-hmm. that you do not know notice what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is very likely that whatever this passage is, um, the the experience of being baptized and because it was a big desire, the experience of being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit um he was so caught up in that, he just didn't pay attention mm-hmm. to Philip. Mm-hmm. And Philip's there, and Philip's not there. Well, what happened? Mm-hmm. It's where your focus is. Mm-hmm.
1: When, and, and who is Luke getting this story from? I mean, Luke's not on the side of the road writing it as he sees it. That's true. So He's not. So is it, is it Philip telling him, hey, this happened? Mm-hmm. Or is it the eunuch telling him that? Or is it a divine revelation from God?
3: And we've just created yet another mystery.
1: (laughs) And I'm okay with any
0: of those occurrences. I think however we get the story, we have the story. And I I don't need to take it any further.
3: Well, the other thing you've got going on, particularly in the book of Acts, in the early chapters, is the Holy Spirit is not acting in predictable ways. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is... uh, causing people who have not been baptized to speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. But the Holy Spirit has just busted out of all these um, boundaries that the -hmm. early church wants to put around the Spirit of God. I'm going to raise my hand and and, and raise a a point of clarification
0: here. Um, So we're talking in the book of Acts, and we see all this work of the Holy Spirit. This is all, for all practical purposes, brand new stuff mm-hmm. for humanity mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit has never inhabited mm-hmm. people in mm-hmm. this way before mm-hmm. because
3: we didn't have Jesus yet. Well, in the Old Testament, you'll have, particularly with the judges, the Holy Spirit coming mightily upon mm-hmm. somebody. But what you have in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit can come upon them and God can take the Holy Spirit away. Yeah, uh, it, It's not a permanent indwelling mm-hmm. or infilling. So, yeah, it is a different relationship mm-hmm. now with the, the Spirit of God. Yeah, so all these things that they're seeing and they're witnessing, especially recorded in the book of Acts,
0: it's all new stuff It's new that, to, wait, to wait. people in general, not just to this group oh. of people.
1: I, I had a professor tell us one time, it's it's dangerous to make hard and fast doctrine out of what happens in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. because God was doing such unique things to jumpstart the church and to, to send, uh, mostly the book of Acts is... It unites the Jews at the day of Pentecost with the Holy Spirit under the name of Jesus. Right. And then it brings the Gentiles into this. So this professor said, look, if you try to make this is how church should go, uh, you you can run into some problems here. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't guide (laughs) us, but it's not as simple as saying, well, it happened then. So this is how it's, I mean, I, I have never seen tongues of fire over anyone else. Right.
0: You must be doing it wrong then. But
1: wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) Probably. Wouldn't that be cool? cool? I think I'd I'd leave. I don't think I would hang around. I think, okay, I'm I'm going home now.
4: Or fall down on your face the way that a lot of people in Scripture, when they encounter Mm -hmm. God in that way, are afraid and they Mm -hmm. fall down.
0: It's all very new stuff. I mean, God is very real. God is very big. God is very powerful. And when you experience Him in this new way, I'd have to imagine it would do new, unseen, unheard of things.
1: I like, I like to think that, that the eunuch snapped and Philip just kind of dusted away. Oh, no. And then he snapped again <laughs> and he redusted somewhere else. So, No.
4: Move <laughs> on to the next question. <laughs>
0: All right, so we have a bonus question.
4: Bonus question.
0: This one is kind of funny. This is the the comic relief question for the <laughs> podcast, the Q&A podcast.
2: My small group is very excited for this moment. All right. Can I say why it's a bonus question? Yes, you can. Okay. In talking about the different gospel accounts of the final week of Jesus' life, we were looking into scripture that, wasn't part of E100. Mm-hmm. So it's still in keeping with the final week of Jesus's life. However, it was not in our E100 reading, and that's what makes it a bonus question.
0: Okay, okay so so listeners and watchers out there, I'm going to ask you to pick up a Bible or whatever, and I'm going to ask each of them to get out your Bible and turn to the book of Mark. Mark. You're going to go to the 14th chapter you're gonna go to verse fifty-one and fifty-two, and I'll give you a second to read, or do you want me to read it for you? Because I'm already here. I'll go ahead and read it to us. While it we're says, it up. A, <laughs> "A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him, but he pulled free of the linen sheet." And escaped naked. <laughs> For context, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane right after Jesus is arrested. Yes. So it's it's a really serious time in Scripture. But you have this almost comical little bit here.
2: It, just got, it, it doesn't okay? fit with what happened before or after. It comes out of nowhere, and you're smiling because I know you know this verse. Because <laughs> so, you've taught, Becky, you've taught studies on the final week of Jesus's yeah. life. Did you ever stop yeah. and teach on this?
0: The question yeah. asked is yes, simply... Yes, have talked about it before. What?
2: Yes, that's the question. Right. What? Yeah.
0: So the young man following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, where he, he had sold his coat to
4: I buy his sword. I guess
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. But it wasn't uh-huh. recorded. But that yes.
0: wasn't recorded.
2: Maybe, yeah. maybe it was his sword that Peter borrowed.
0: So let's talk about the young man running off naked into the night after his linen sheet was pulled off of him. What's that
1: in here? Well, this translation says shirt, so I don't know. Well. Either way, he he fled naked.
0: I
4: can't seem to recall. I know there's speculation of who this certain young man. I think people have tried to name a certain young man before. I have no idea.
0: Some people say it was Mark. I don't know mm -hmm. that you could. Was it Mark?
3: That's one of the traditions that it's John Mark and this was um sorta of lobbed in there as a picking on the Apostle Paul mm-hmm. because you know, um uh, Paul and Barnabas had this falling out over John Mark. Okay. And um actually what the Gospel of Mark is is uh the reminiscence of uh, simon peter to john mark so it's maybe one of those biblical references that we have to ask when we get there
0: yeah
3: lord what's all this about here Mm -hmm. um it's just one of those places you kind of shrug your shoulders and move on yeah yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anybody else?
0: I mean, Chris obviously, Chris like I ain't touching that. The with The, the kid is, pole. is
4: desperate to get away, so it's uh-huh. like I will leave everything so that I'm mm-hmm. not caught. I mean, this yeah. is just kind of the idea of
1: I I need to get away. Right, I, but, but so. I, I think the heart of the question is why do we need to know he was naked? I mean, why why does that matter to the narrative? Especially, like you say. In one of the most serious moments mm-hmm. in the whole of Scripture, would it help we you have to know
3: that the word for what garment he had on is the word for grave clothes? Hmm.
2: I think we were just kind of hung up on the part where he fled yes, naked. Yes, that would be helpful.
3: Okay. But, yes. It's grave clothes now. What's Jesus about to do to the grave clothes?
2: Leave them behind, throw them off. Hmm.
3: Throw them off.
0: Well, thats I guess when you go back to the original language, you you learn these things,
3: Mr. I'm Scholar sorry. of Greek and Hebrew. I'm sorry.
0: It's okay. Oh, <laughs> that, I will, well, I will I, leave
3: it in the jar in my office. <laughs>
0: that actually adds a little bit of context to this. I mean, how many times in a story, in a novel, do we read something that's got a little bit of foreshadowing or symbolism here and... What's to say that we can't have some of that in Scripture? Hmm. There should be tons of uh, it in
1: there. There's, yes. I mean, it's... That's almost all it is.
0: The, the New, te- the Old Testament is almost nothing but foreshadowing the New Testament.
2: My footnote here says, whoever he is, his naked flight is a far cry from the riot the th- authorities feared. <laughs> Instead of a riot, they have one guy running away yeah. naked. And, and I think...
3: A humorous element or a, an element to relieve the tension of the story of the flogging of Jesus and what will be the crucifixion. It's a it's an interesting literary mm-hmm. device if you allow for those within yeah. the pages of Scripture.
0: Well, and there's nothing to say that you can't use literary devices in uh,
1: nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it, they're used all the time. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a a big way to read the New Testament faithfully especially the Gospels, is to look for the literary devices. Right. Just helps add depth to it. It's
4: true, like taking a breath, getting a little chuckle. I mean, for our sake, we know. We know what happens. The garden is the sad starting point, also joyful, but what happens next is very dark. So it's a a moment of breath in the reading, retelling of the story, just to catch yourself and, you know.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, because it this may be a reach, but it, it was in the garden that humanity failed to be obedient to God's will. And it's in a garden that Jesus, the second Adam, mm-hmm. is obedient to God's will. Well, Adam and Eve fled because they realized they were naked. So, that, I mean, that, that could be some parallel there. Hmm. Hmm. Another literary device. Well, no.
3: It's also how the ancient church would have interpreted it. They would have looked for an allegorical meaning mm-hmm. to it, and connecting it back to the the Garden of Eden, I think, is legitimate.
0: Yeah.
3: I,
2: we need to I write like a this. theological book.
4: We're so yes. smart. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Can we also put out a version of the Bible where John comes first in the Gospels.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I still think Matthew is a good Why choice. Why do you want John first? Or...
3: first in the Gospels? Why not? Oh.
0: <laughs> I'm okay with it the way it is. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: because I must not, be
1: a better Christian than John is so different than the other three. I like grouping the other three together and then having John kind of stand. Afterwards.
4: I mean, I would love if Luke and Acts were together because mm-hmm. they are, they're to me, together. they're continuing. Yeah. Yes, they're yeah. together. So it is frustrating that there's a book between them. Yeah. You say so John first. And and but I don't know that I'd put John first. I still like Matthew first.
0: Matthew, Mark, John, Luke.
4: Matthew, John,
2: Mark.
3: We there, are not trying to do that. There are members the <laughs> of our church who have chronological Bibles. Yes, we do. We need yeah. to go visit them and see what is your order. I have one. You have one? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So if you're listening out there and you happen to have a chronological Bible, send us a message. Let us know what order your Gospels are in.
1: Chr- chronological as an order of events or chronological as in date written?
2: Order of events is mine.
1: Okay, see, that's even different than.
2: Mm hmm than written
4: wow
1: yeah. that'd be really hard to do especially in the old you know, profits happen at the same time
2: yes and, and so that's how it's laid out is you get a chunk from this guy and a chunk from the and it, it says off to the side where they're pulling from I would very much huh. like to read that that's mm-hmm.
0: very
1: interesting yep I'm gonna borrow it from you if you don't need it
2: well it's in storage <laughs> sorry well, the, word's, the, the word is 80, I day now that you're Don't get it do out. that. Don't say. I've <laughs> Sorry. Got it. it's I, in well, I, I also have a digital form on my Kindle, though, so I can't. I mean, I guess I could loan you my Kindle. I have it. It's just
3: digital. Do you use it to study?
2: I haven't in a long time. I kind of forgot about it. If I'm being <laughs> honest. To re- Until y'all brought it up, it I'll much. go back to it. Well, we've got an E100 going on right now, and I've just been digging through that. So,
0: anyway. Well, I think we have done a very good job Mm -hmm. of handling these questions and given us some material for future podcasts. I am very excited about what we've got to come. We have another Q&A session that we will have in another three weeks that will be the final Q&A session for the E100 series of podcasts. It will come after the Book of Revelation. So go ahead and keep sending us your questions, Ask Deeper at gmail.com. If you're new to the podcast on this episode and you have no idea what's going on, go ahead and, and look back on and listen back to the rest of our episodes. It will help you in your study of scripture from beginning to end and catch up with us. Subscribe, leave us a review, Give us comments, send us emails. You can find him and send all your complaints to him at Chris Winterman. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> just search Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook, Facebook for Chris
1: Winterman. Send him all your complaints.
2: Winterman M A N.
1: M-A-N. But do check on YouTube for Trinity Online, the digital yes. campus of That's Trinity right. United Methodist That's Church. Right. Totally
0: different way to do church. We are starting, and well, we have started Trinity Online. So look us up, trinityonline.church for that. Everything else that we do, you can find it under Trinity Rustin. With that, I will say, send us your questions. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time.